0: Are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. Hey guys, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jen. And you're you're listening listening to Fathomless. Fathomless. (laughs)
1: Fathomless. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Those are theater kids. You yeah. Know. The That's a range. Theater.
0: Say it. Theater. <laughs> was a thespian. So, yeah. So, brand new week. Brand new episode. Yeah, Happy Monday. Two-parter. Two, two-parter. Two-parter. What? Yeah. We haven't done a two-part episode in a, a long l- time. Yeah long time we got more coming up there's, in the future but there's better plan, so much but yeah there's so much you could have gone on and on, on about this i feel like you're oh, like i'm absolutely. almost
1: done and like 45 minutes later still typing yeah
0: she was just she's like but wait i feel like there's more information i want to go over everything so um there could have definitely been like a third fourth part but oh absolutely morbid did three parts on this case Jesus.
1: and um I have, I mean, like, you saw the book bu- The book I have with the me on this case. The you have is,
0: like, it's, the tiniest font and, like, It is, like,
1: single-space font, like, it's in, like, like hundreds of pages. Picture those,
0: like, romance novels that are at the yeah, front they, of, like, CVS. Yeah, like,
1: Grandma has. Yeah, it's, like,
0: it's that size font inside and, like, that thick.
1: Yes, and it's, there's a lot of information. Because a lot happens in this case. And it's over a long period of time. I mean... We don't get true justice for about ten years. A little I more feel like it's years. not even It's still not
0: true no, justice. From what you told me. I know I knew a little bit about this case, but Amanda kind of filled me on the beats last night and I was like, <gasps> Yeah, well we were oh sitting in Applebee's <laughs> Yeah, me and Amanda took a late night date to Applebee's. Last. It wasn't it was really fun. late. It was like 9 p.m. That's late to us. That's late to us. We put the dog to bed and we're like, let's go to Applebee's and get some chicken fingers. Yep, it was great. It was awesome. We talked about it. All about it. People around us, if they were listening, were probably like... There was a family with a small
1: child somewhere near us and I, I hope they didn't hear us. I was pretty loud in that Applebee's though. They were playing music like it was a middle school dance.
0: They were. So... Yeah, and they were playing all the middle school dance songs to add to that. Yeah. So. But so. yeah, so today's case is gonna be a doozy. Yeah, so so we're gonna in. talk about the uh torture
1: and murder of Brenda Sue Schaefer.
0: And this is not New England. No, you this have is been leaving Lillaville, Kentucky. You've been leaving New England a lot here lately. But you know what? There's We've, a lot I've of got cr- some New England stuff lined up. Though. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. New England people will be happy. And you know next what? I police. did Deborah
1: Sampson was Plimpton. yeah so
0: you yeah, you know what? That's I'll New shut England. my mouth. I'm sorry. I'll shut my mouth. Oh. Gardner Museum. <laughs> I'll shut my mouth," I said. (laughs) Okay, mom. Shut up. You're right.
1: So, anyway, uh, we're gonna talk about Brenda Sue Schaefer. I'm just gonna dive right into it because this is a lot of fucking shit. This we got a lot of ground to cover. So, Brenda Sue Schaefer was born on April 25th, 1952, making her a Taurus. Yes, bitch. And she grounded mama. Yep, she was the and she was she was a beautiful soul. She was the youngest of five children, and she was her mother, Essie's best friend, as Brenda was Essie's rainbow baby and the only girl. Oh, the only girl. Yeah. So they just bonded just right from the start. And even her brothers said that uh, they called Brenda mom shadow because she just followed her everywhere, which I think is so sweet. I love that. So as a child, Brenda was very, very shy and introverted, but she still was, you know, very friendly and well-liked by everyone, just a very sweet little girl. Her family were very devoted Catholics, and this would play a significant role in how Brenda grew up, her morals and values, and her views as an adult. She was very, very devoted to the church and her religion, and it did make her pretty naive to some extent, too, you know relationships and such. Yeah, she's very like modest. Extremely modest. Um so she went through school doing exceptionally well and she actually ended up having a high school sweetheart. Uh she met this man Peter her sophomore year and they fell in love. They uh vowed to, you know, stay pure until they were married and right when they graduated, Peter proposed and they were engaged to be married. Um After high school, Brenda actually thought briefly about pursuing a modeling career for a bit because she was beautiful. Oh, Oh my God.
0: Yeah. Gorgeous. Beautiful woman. Yeah.
1: Uh, We'll post pictures and everything. Uh, However, her mother, Essie, had been suffering from lupus all her life. And at that time, she really was not doing very well. And Brenda had been caring for her and she didn't want to leave her. So ultimately, she actually went to nursing school just to care for her mother and continue to stay home and care for her mother the entire time that's up awesome. until her disappearance and her death.
0: Wow. Um, How old was she when she disappeared? She was 30, I want
1: to say 35, 36. Okay. Uh, so unfortunately in 1971, the Schaefer family was struck by a horrible tragedy. The eldest son, Jonathan, who was a Louisville police officer was killed in the line of duty. And this untimely death devastated the family, including Brenda, who actually postponed her wedding with Peter. Cause at that time they were still just engaged. Um and she like called off the wedding and was like I can't do this. Ah, uh, they still stayed together in a relationship, but she was unable to. She just you know she needed time to be with her family and to heal.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, though it was not long before the wedding was back on, and Brenda married her high school sweet sque- sweetheart. Her and sweetheart, sweetheart, <laughs> and they quickly moved in together to start their life at a mere nineteen, twenty years old. Because so I'm young. always reading everything like a little bit ahead of what I'm talking cuz you know ADHD.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> I do that in books too. I like I'll be reading a sentence and I'll like skip to the last line of the yep. page. I'm like doing that.
1: And then I get excited as I'm talking so I just start skipping over all my shit. But well, we got
0: we got to You know what? In. People that I, I didn't know this so we had a podcast uh, sitting here and reading is ac- and talking yeah really hard. It's hard so I English is hard. <laughs> um
1: I used to do speech and debate when I was a kid and I did uh, I didn't really do the debate part I did the speech part I did um, children's literature was what the, the group that I did was called where we would basically read children's stories and like act them out uh, like you know like pantomime like characters and do voices and stuff and we would like compete with
0: other schools wait
1: yeah <laughs> it, why yeah I, didn't, I never so told odd. you about that that's
0: really odd yeah
1: it was um there was um it was we had children's literature comedy um drama they like we had like different like options of like basically books and you would like basically like recite monologues and then the other half of like speech and debate was you know the debate teams they would you know debate subjects and stuff like that there were some kids who would do like a, like a newscaster thing and they would literally just sit and be like today on the bah 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 news and would like, and they would get great. Like, you know, we would all get like points based on how our performance was. Yeah. And then we would, you know, win like medals and stuff.
0: Okay. actually won a couple of medals. That was pretty I'm nice. so proud of you. Yeah. You've always been great at speaking and talking and that was... I love listening to our own podcasts, especially the ones that, the episodes that you do because you're, you're just great at telling.
1: The story of things. That was
0: after I got kicked out of the
1: drama club because all the kids in my high school drama club were fucking wicked clicky and didn't like
0: me. Uh, (laughs) High school sucked, dude. High school sucked. If you were a little bit different, like, if anyone from my high school listens, like, I hate all of (laughs) you. And I'm not fucking sorry because all of you guys were so fucking mean. So...
1: There were some good people in my class. There were some yeah. there were some no, girls who were who were very nice, but there were some who were just
0: you And if know, you were one God of my awful. friends in high school, I'm sorry. But like I can't think of like any friends that I had now that I have now or talk to now that like I went to high school with. Like I've known you yeah. and like D since, since we were
1: like six. Since high, but we school, didn't go to high but school we didn't go to high
0: school together. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. Fuck everyone I went to high I school wish with. We did. I hate you all. I'm not sorry. Is that
1: I had Teresa to say
0: publicly. No. Okay. Not at all. I'm sorry. I'm a nice person, but like,
1: there are plenty of people at people my high are school so that I so mean. fucking are miss. So
0: mean. I'm just like, They're all
1: fucking mean, I was definitely a, mean. never want
0: my children to ever go through that. Yeah. So enough about that.
1: <laughs> it's unfortunately bullying is, you know, it's a part of the fucking American education system.
0: <laughs> I Literally. You can't, you can't get around it. Sorry guys. Yeah, there are just some people that just were meaner than the rest, so.
1: Yeah, but, you know. Come at me. Brenda married her high school sweetheart, so. Some,
0: some people, people do, do, and it works, and it that's, a, that's amazing, but. My best um, friend did, and
1: they're fucking, they live in wedded bliss. Yeah. Uh, Brenda did not, though. No,
0: no, it nope, doesn't always end not. up that way, um, unfortunately. The, they were, I mean, they
1: got married at, you know, they were 19, 20 years old, so they were incredibly young. And they Basically, you know, at this at this you know day and age, they just kind of like moved straight in together and yeah. had to kind of do kind of figure out adulthood and marriage and living on your own, not at your parents' house, all at once at twenty nineteen twenty years old.
0: And you know what? When you're younger, you have that image in your head. You're like, oh, when I'm like twenty one, I want to be you know married and like in my first home and like want to have a baby by the time I'm like. And it doesn't work out that way. And yeah some, I mean, some people do it, but like, yeah, sometimes ru- it works. You but... don't need to rush into that. And that's you never an into Unfortunately into stuff like that. what they did.
1: And yeah, Peter was very determined to have a traditional Catholic marriage where the husband kind of, you know, is the head of the household and the wife is just kind of, you know, happy and along for the ride. Uh, but Peter kind of like sucked at being a husband and Brenda did not think that he was very mature. He was not good at finances at all. Like, keeping finances he would spend money on lavish unnecessary items instead of things like getting groceries or like paying the bills when you have adult money for the first
0: time yeah you don't know what to do and And, these aren't the things that you think about like when you're dating someone in high school exactly
1: and so brenda would try to be like dude we gotta like you know we gotta work on our finances we have because she was a very like organized responsible person pretty much from the fucking straight from the womb she was just you know a great responsible person but that is also the earth sign, you know very grounded down to earth you know yeah um but peter really was like you're the wife you don't need to handle that i handle the finances i make it. the money i pay the bills you know i'm gonna put us like girl you're not paying the bills though so like come on um he also drank heavily and when they got in arguments about you know money she would just shout at her and um there was also the problem with issues in the bedroom as I stated before, Brenda ha- Brenda had grown up in a very strict Catholic household, and sex was not something that she had ever discussed with her mother, and it was in her mind very much a sin. And she Brenda uh, just kind of did Brenda
0: think she got here on planet Earth. It she? Unfortunately, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to like bl- do any victim blaming or anything, but like, I it's. When it's, it's yeah, when a it's a Catholic if, if and it's that's yeah, a nat- it's a it's what you it's not do. all fire and
1: brimstone no. like.
0: It's like you didn't. The stork did not deliver. No, you, it did not. But, your mommy did something. But she seemed just to feel very guilty and like unclean about the whole thing. Yeah, which and I feel like religion,
1: yeah, does definitely that. played
0: a part in that. And yeah. her
1: aversion to sex was most definitely
0: a problem in their marriage. Peter thought that she was just like prude, you know. So when me and Andrew were getting married at the town hall, it it says in the marriage certificate when you're signing everything, obviously it's, like, you're not family, you're not related. It also says, like, um, conditions for, like, annulment, like, or divorce, like, um, if the partner is unable to, like, provide sex. Damn. Yeah, that you can get an annulment. And it's like, okay, well, they can't provide you something that a marriage should provide. In the law, I was like, what? Like, it's crazy. Because it's written by old white men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so just terrible. But honestly, if you're, if that's, that's what you don't, that's totally fine too. That's uh, totally yeah. fine. And it's something to be punished for. And I mean, which we learn. Thankfully, from
1: what it, uh, most of my information I got from this book called Double Jeopardy by Bob Hill, uh, and from what it was, you know, portrayed in the book. Peter never seemed to, like, force himself on her. There was no spousal rape of any kind in this relationship. But, um, unfortunately, you know, he still would, it was a lot of more of, like, he pressuring her. And yeah. Being, like, come on, like. You're my wife. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're supposed to do. And with all of the issues in their relationship, Brenda was openly expressive with her friends and family of how unhappy she was. Unfortunately, her family, especially her father, saw it very differently. Um, Her father actually said these exact words to her that she made her bed and she should lie in it. Um, They did not believe in getting divorced. They thought that, you know, it wasn't really a necessary thing and that she should try and work it out with her husband because that's what...
0: It's so crazy that like you know,
1: good Catholic marriages. Yeah,
0: like but if you're unhappy like and you're being like, you know, emotionally manipulated or coerced, like it's not a happy marriage. Exactly. Like Like, I just don't you're emotionally,
1: physically, mentally, and also financially being drained. Like it's just that's not that's not a good relationship.
0: It's not a good life to live. It's not a good life, exactly. It's gonna be miserable for the rest of your life. Like that's not fair.
1: So after a couple of years of fighting and constant toxicity of their relationship, it finally crumbled into nothing. And thankfully, um, she did have her mother Essie who was backing her up. But she did move home despite the disapproval of her father. Um, but she did uh want to take care of her mother. So that's what she really just focused on. She didn't really care about finding a new man or starting up a relationship. Ship at all until she met a dentist named Jim Rush at a TGI Fridays.
0: TGI Fridays. TGI said. Fridays. I'm sorry, Ugh. I got food poisoning from a TGI Fridays one time, Ugh. and now I will never, ever, ever go back to one. But well, this was like—I mean, you know what? I love that they met in person, and this was like
1: the '70s, not sir. on
0: a website. which yeah. they weren't around the '70s, I know, but like, I just wish people could meet like that still
1: but jim was a local dentist and he was, was jim a good guy he was he's we a like great jim guy. okay we love jim okay good we love jim we also love brenda's boss dr william spalding i'll talk about him later okay uh but jim was absolutely smitten with brenda from the start of their relationship Aww. he was madly in love he showered her with gifts flowers letters he even bought a billboard in town and used it to confess his undying love to her i mean that's like kind of cheesy a le- but very like cheesy.
0: I, like I for the 70s, like yeah. it was probably more cute because, you, you know, you're not A like going A hopeless romantic Facebook was posted. like normal in the 70s, but I feel yeah. like nowadays it's like people are he, like, what? Plus, dude was just pulling that dental money flex. Oh, yeah. He probably <laughs> had, that was probably pocket change to him. Oh, that, absolutely. That billboard.
1: Uh, thankfully, Brenda was equally, seemed to be equally smitten with him. And to all their friends and family, they seemed like an extremely happy couple. But of course, you know, not everything is as it seems. Uh, Jim, like Brenda's first, first significant other was a heavy drinker he would get loud and belligerent when he drank this obviously upset brenda who was not okay with his attitude or his alcoholism and brenda you know she would have a drink here and there but she never drank to excess she never really did anything to excess she was a very you know
0: yeah modest, she like, yeah modest Chill.
1: and like to kind of keep herself like wits about herself so you know watching her husband like stump or not her husband but her boyfriend stumbling around like a buffoon
0: was you know not it's kind something... of embarrassing it
1: is it really is embar- very embarrassing when you're with
0: people and you're like i don't like to get too crazy and yeah. your you're, people I've, are getting crazy and you're like eh. i've been with
1: the crazy drunk dude at the party that everyone's like giving the side eye to and you're just like can we go home now please yeah or, like, can, can the floor just like open up and swallow me <laughs> yeah Like it's it's not fun no and so you know this obviously caused problems in their relationship and Once again, Brenda and Jim's relationship also had problems in the bedroom. Uh, Brenda, again, was considered to be very modest and was just kind of turned off by sex almost entirely. Uh, So Jim actually thought that she was asexual or had some kind of, like, low libido kind of, like, that it was some kind of, like, medical or, like, hormonal. Like, that something was actually wrong. Which...
0: Which it very well it very well could be. But also like take a look at her background, like that is a very That that's and that's why I started
1: talking about like her family was very, very just a part of the church and devoted to it and you know, devoted to God. And I think that growing up like that, she just she really did she wasn't comfortable with how open everyone wanted her to be with sex. And I think it was also, they lived in a time where, like, you know, the, the 70s, time, yeah. the 70s was when everyone was starting to, like, let their freak flag fr- fly, and, like, before then, it was not, you know, I mean, the 60s it was It wasn't, like, too. ladylike. But, yeah, exactly. So, she was, she had been raised in an era where, you know, you were, you know, you were a sweet little woman, and, you know, you stayed pure and innocent forever, and, you know, you tried to keep that image. You were a little angel. And she was an angel. She was fucking beautiful. But... Obviously, this caused issues. Um, And she actually, um, I actually think that intercourse may have been painful for her, but she just never spoke about it. And we'll get into that a little bit later, because there was a discovery in her autopsy that was very shocking to everyone in her family. Um, Don't tell me yet. I won't tell you yet. But it it makes me personally think that maybe something medical might have been going on. Um, She never disclosed anything to anyone in her family, though, not even her mother. Um, So anyway, Jim had, you know, tried to talk to Brenda about this and tried to, you know, suggest like talking to a doctor. And Brenda was very offended and kind of taken back by Jim's forwardness to talk about sex and just wanted to just not discuss it at all. Just didn't want to even go there. Uh, So with that, it just, you know, it kind of just created this, this rift in their relationship. Despite that, though, they dated for eight years. Eight goddang years. That's um, a long time. He did, you know, try to talk about marriage, but it never, nothing never really came about it. And they eventually ended up ending their relationship, but still remaining friends. Okay. And at this point in her life, you know, she'd been in this kind of on-again, off-again relationship for eight years with Jim. And, you know, it really just wasn't, like, relationships weren't working out for Brenda. She just thought it was pointless and she just wanted to just live her life, you know, work her nursing job and care for her mother and just hang out with her friends and just enjoy life, which is fine. You don't have to have a significant other No, no to no, be no. happy. You can just live your life and enjoy it I to feel the like fullest. Though back then,
0: though that was Th- that is like the thing is back down. then. And especially like a religious family, you're expected to like get married and yes, like make babies. Get married, make babies. And she was like a beautiful
1: woman. So everyone, you know, everyone around her expected her to just do that you know, do that thing, you know, get married, make the babies, get the house with the white picket fence and the dog, and, you know, just live that whole apple pie American life. But Brenda just wanted to live Brenda's life. And she saw absolutely no need to get into a, a, like, really a new relationship. She also was kind of sick of men her age. She thought that they were very immature, and she just never really found anyone that was a right fit. Um, She had also talked to her friend Joyce Smallwood about this, who had kind of had similar issues. And Joyce was like, you know, you should really try going out with a man who's like a little bit older. I found this guy. He's really great. Uh, his name's Bob. He, you know, he's wonderful. He was, you know, about like 10 years older than she was. And it, you know, it was working out really well. So Joyce was like, you know, maybe I can get you get you, you know, to date one of Bob's friends. You know, he's got some really nice friends. So this is when Brenda is introduced. To Melvin Ignato.
0: Ew. Ew. Yes. I already know we don't like this guy. No, we do not. At um, all.
1: So, Brenda agreed to go on a double date with Joyce and Bob and Bob's friend, Melvin. And this date was actually on Mel's boat. He had like a kind of like a small yacht. Oh. Are you ready for the name? Oh, the motion lotion.
0: Ew! So fucking gross. That's a red flag for me. If I pulled up to this guy's fucking yeah. boat, and this, it is like so like, this is like the eighties. Called that. So like, it was like the early
1: eighties now, because you know she'd been what with him if- for about eight years. Which I just like, if I yeah, if I came up to a boat and it was the motion lotion, I'd be like, girl, I'm not getting on that. Boat. Yeah, I'm not I'm not getting on that boat. Creep.
0: There's something wrong. Uh, but you know. Brenda,
1: you know, wanted to just, she was like, I'll give it a shot. You know, what's, what's the worst that can happen at this point? Yeah. Might as well just go have a good time, have a nice, you know. And she was with other people. Yeah, exactly. You know, hang out with a friend. Um, She was not very physically attracted to Mel when she first saw him, which who could be? Well, she was, he was probably like in his 50s. He was, he was in his 50s and she was in his 30s. There was a 14 year age difference. Yikes. So. I mean.
0: Which I mean, you know. It's, it happens, it, but like. It, 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 yeah. i I just as a woman in my 30s i don't know if i would be attracted to a man like when he
1: was 30 she would have been like you know 15 14. so yeah gross yeah gross anyway (laughs) uh but child was child wife cousin bride yeah child wife cousin (laughs) bride. mel was very interested in brenda from the beginning Um, they did, she did like enjoy talking to him. They did share a lot of similar interests. So she did find that he was good conversation. Yeah. And when Mel invited Brenda to come back on the boat the following afternoon for a solo date, she accepted the invite happily. Okay. Which is, I, you know, she She wanted to get
0: back on the motion lotion.
1: Yeah. She was definitely intrigued by Mel. Um, he was significantly older than there. actually right here. I have in my notes, she was 33 and he was 47. So there's yeah. 14 year age difference. He was well established, though he had a good career as a traveling salesman. Owned his own home, owned a Corvette, which like it's the eighties, so like dude with Ooh, the Corvette. house and the Corvette. And his house was well renovated. It had like the pink bathroom, the pink eighties bathroom. My and, like, nana has a pink Right, he was a, so proud of his fucking pink bathroom. And you know, this was a big step up from. Was the there carpet in the
0: bathroom too? Because like, probably
1: there's I... carpet in my grandmother's upstairs bathroom. Well,
0: that was a sign back then of like wealth. Yeah. Carpet in the bathroom. Yep.
1: She had a yellow toilet and carpet in the bathroom. Ugh. Like pastel yellow. Ugh. And the carpet was like, it ran from like the, the den in the downstairs up the stairs into both bedrooms in the hallway and into the bathroom. So
0: weird.
1: So like, I just think about the bacteria that spread. Yeah. And you know what else was very weird? She, in that upstairs bathroom... Um, in the, the linen closet, she used that as a extra pantry for dry goods. It's so, like there are times where things. she'd be like, go
0: up to the upstairs bathroom and get the pancake mix. Like grandma <laughs> things. That's going to be you though. That will be me.
1: Yeah. Um, so a fun fact, when we cleaned out her house in the back of that pantry, I found a glass Mrs. Buttersworth syrup bottle. That and thing.
0: I, I have it. Oh in, my God. Keep on a shower. They you will never ever ever yeah. see those. Yep, yeah. and it's like shaped like Mrs. Buttersworth ever and everything, uh, like the little the little lady. I wonder what gems my nana has in her house. She's a yard you sale know. craft fair. Um look at your grandma's candles because my grandmother would carved say. out the
1: bottom of her candles and put jewelry and twenty dollar bills in them. Really? Yes. Wow. They were they like hid money everywhere in the house. They were very odd.
0: People I feel like that. Oh, was... And then when
1: they got older too, they you know they when their mind was starting to go, and they they, they drink a lot it, too. Yeah. They drink a lot of vodka, so you know they they kind of yes, they're yeah. a little little loosey goosey at times. But anyway, back to back to the motion lotion. Ugh. I hate I hate it. I hate it so much. Don't but yeah. That so again. <laughs> Mel was to Brenda. Melvin seemed like a big step up from the other guys. Like yeah, he you know. Seemed to like drink a little bit, but he like kept his composure very well. You know, he was a very, you know, looked like a well-established drinker, yeah, sophisticated gentleman. Pinkies up, because like, yeah, Jim was a dentist and had a good job, but you know, he still kind of was a little reckless and belligerent. And Brenda was looking for somebody who was like cool, calm, and collected, like herself. And Mel seemed to kind of bring that to the table. So they, you know, started seeing each other kind of regularly from then on, and a relationship started to blossom from there. Unfortunately you know surprise surprise uh, the longer that they started to date the more possessive mel became of her and the more that his obsessive compulsive behaviors came out so like i said mel was a traveling salesman he was often gone overseas for work and jen i know that you your husband is not he's not a traveling salesman but he travels for work as well now how would you feel if Andrew insisted that he scheduled multiple daily calls with you and that you had to be home every single day waiting to answer his call and speak to him at whatever time, didn't matter what time zone he was in compared to what you were in, you had to be there to answer the phone.
0: Um, That would be fucked up and crazy. That is
1: exactly I'm what Mel did to I'm lucky if he texts me
0: good morning. Like, I'm like, hey, did you forget about me? <laughs> That's how it is.
1: But. Yeah, so this was That's so fucked This up. Was Brenda's reality. She actually couldn't even go out with her friends at night because she had to be home every night at 10 p.m. to take Melvin's call. And if she was even a minute late, he would be so upset and angry with her. He would just completely flip out at her on the phone.
0: That is abusive as fuck. And I'd be like, okay, well, he's overseas. I'm getting out right now. Unfortunately, this, she, she stayed. Nobody really knows
1: why she stayed. Um, uh, every time she would just say, you know, you you just don't understand. So basically it got to a point where if Brenda wasn't at work or taking care of her mother, she was either with Mel in person or calling him and or waiting for his call. And he, crazy. Yeah. So crazy. Just absolutely ridiculous. He also was extremely obsessive about his belongings and how pristine and neat everything had to be. And he made a very big deal about it. And like, I know like you're one of those people who likes to have everything nice and clean, keep everything organized. But you know, Mel would actually like complain about how his guests in his home teared the toilet paper off the roll. If it wasn't perfectly on the perforation, he would actually complain to the guests that he had over his house. Be like, what's wrong with you? How yeah, dare I'm you? Like,
0: I'm like a clean person and stuff. But you're not like, going to
1: be like, how fucking dare you rip the toilet paper wrong? Yeah.
0: Like, no one's going to want to come hang out with me at that point.
1: Yeah. He uh, also once, to Brenda, made a very big deal when uh, they were trying to have like a double date with some friends. And Brenda made the suggestion that they had lunch on his boat. He was like, I can't have anybody eat on my boat. They're going to make a mess. She's like, four grown ass adults can't eat on your yacht. Are you kidding me? But it was because everything had to be perfect. He also, like I said, very much bragged about his uh, fancy pink bathroom remodel that cost him $25,000 and made a point to tell everyone, you know, how much it cost. My
0: bathroom cost me $25,000. Definitely one of those people that
1: everything to him was how much money he had, what fancy things he had, what watch he had, just anything like that. And he, you know,
0: it was just. I wish a people would ass. like raise their children to realize that like more is not always better. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's why like people will, like, you know, oh, my bedroom's so small. It's like, okay, like the size of a house, the size of a room, I feel like it really, you have space. Yeah. You know, like, oh, the size of my bathroom is small. It's like, or this I don't have more I don't it's not bigger it's like Dude, more the grass bigger isn't always it's, greener yeah it's not always
1: better exactly but you know Tamel that's to it him image, it was image and materials were everything so after a year of him and Brenda dating he offered Brenda an engagement ring and he boasted that it was worth twenty thousand dollars which at first she really didn't want to accept it but imagine eventually, if this
0: guy had like a Facebook
1: oh god he'd be one of those do this was like posting like Shirtless boat pics with like fucking like a fan of like twenty dollar bills, like absolutely.
0: I am in this country and I yeah. spent this much money to get here and this did like a like be one putting those up guys. pictures of like wagyu yeah.
1: beef and stuff. Yeah.
0: He would be one of those guys Gross. checking in everywhere.
1: Absolutely, he's you know he's definitely just a tool and he's a tool the entire time that we're gonna fucking talk about him. But you know, don't worry, he dies in the end and it's great.
0: Yay. (laughs) Wait. Was that so mean? No. Deserves it. That was just my natural reaction. Well, (laughs) I know what this guy did. Amanda told me so. Yes. You'll be yaying as well.
1: Oh yeah. Uh so Brenda's family were the first to get really weird vibes off of Mel for you know. Basically all the reasons I stated above. You know, they were seeing Brenda, you know, constantly being controlled by him. And every time he was around, he was fucking bragging about his fucking pink bathroom and his fucking motion lotion boat and, you know, <laughs> just all his fucking, his fucking Corvette and just, you know, being a, like, being And a that's, cool people like that, yeah, you're, you're just grossed out by that, you know? Like, he was very over the top and, like, he would make these, like, exaggerated stories about his life that they were just like, dude, that's not real. And we know it's not real. You're gross and old. Get away from our sister. Like, it just, you know how it was. But uh, unfortunately, Brendan saw no reason to really call off the relationship. She felt that the issues that, you know, Mel had weren't really anything that were super big and that no one understood how it truly was when it was just Melvin and Brenda. That's
0: what they all It is. It is. It's, what, it's because, what they all say. But honestly, like, you know, no one knows the inside of your yeah. relationship from the outside. Personally, I think she was just afraid. And I also think that she felt yeah. pressured to
1: like find a solid relationship because at this point she was, you know, in her thirties and she and had been, she, and I bet there were those moments where he, he really was sweet. And he yeah. was, I mean, he, he definitely, you know, he showered her with lots of gifts. Say, you know, they took a lot of trips, you know, they're going out on the boat, they're going to nice dinners. He bought her a ton of jewelry, clothes, you know, they did a lot of things together. And
0: obviously, you but know, he was controlling his fuck but
1: yeah, he was controlling his fuck. And I think that, you know, she felt pressured by, like, family and society to, like, find a husband and, like, get married and, like, you know, really, like, settle down because she had been kind of hopping from, you know, man to man, at least to them. You know, she only had three relationships, but back then, you know, that was, you know, scandalous. scandalous. Yeah, scandalous. And, you know, she, you know, she wanted to, you know, live a a good life and and what, you know, everyone thought was a normal life. Yeah,
0: what was expected of her.
1: And so you know, unfortunately, you know, things were not super peachy keen in the relationship and they kind of continued to escalate and get much worse. Um, Obviously, you know, I'm sure you were wondering when this was going to come up, but Brenda, you know, was still a very pious and modest woman. And, you know, just a simple act of sex was something that she dreaded and was really uncomfortable with. And for lack of a better term, Melvin wanted somebody who was interested in you know, not just vanilla sex. Like,
0: did she disclose this before she like got into relationships? Yeah, so she was like she would. Hey, be like, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty asexual. With like, I'm not that type of person. Like, I mean, we can have a great relationship. wasn't a
1: thing, but you know, yeah, she would. She, she would I'm not really into not... that
0: aspect of the relationship, but I'm yes. looking for like a companion, someone to do things with, and yeah. settle down with. But if he wanted, if he knew that from the start, and he didn't want that, why continue to pursue the relationship?
1: Because I mean, I'm sure she never outright said, "I don't want to have sex a lot," because she never really wanted to talk about it.
0: She was very uncomfortable yeah. talking about it entirely. Yeah.
1: But like, I'm sh- it, like, obviously from the beginning, you know, she was, you know, it was obvious that she was uncomfortable. I feel like after a few, few dates,
0: and if you're like this guy's like move in, like I want to get married, I would be like, hey, like it's been a problem in the past, so she must have been aware of it. Again, I'm not, I'm just. Trying to play devil's advocate here. Um, It was, I mean, it was a very different time. It was. was, And that's pretty much, that's all that's to it.
1: Sex was something that she was not comfortable talking about at all with anyone. You know, it was not like in her religion and just in her mind, it was not something that should be talked about. It was very taboo. Yes. So Mel was, you know, very much wanted to do everything and anything. He often pressured her into group sex. Which is nothing wrong with group sex at all, as long as this, you know, all Consensual. the parties are consenting. And he would always consistently pressure her into trying like different forms of bondage and like BDSM. And again, nothing wrong with that when it's between two consenting adults. However, Brendan was not Brenda was not comfortable with the idea of this at all, and she very much was like, "No, I don't. I don't want to do this. It's like I don't like this." Yeah. When you know when they were in the act of it. And she tried to express her boundaries and state that she wasn't okay with it in the bedroom. And Mel really just didn't leave it at that. Um, So, you know, just a little trigger warning for everyone. It's going to get real fucking dark right now. Melvin instead, you know, told Brenda that she just needed to loosen up a bit. So he would offer her things like quaaludes, which are like a kind of like a tranquilizer. Uh, Weed, you know, lots of alcohol. He would also offer her what he called Sex pills to help loosen her up, oh, and
0: like what? And That's, these, this guy's these pills.
1: Weird. Brenda took reluctantly the first time she declined, and Melvin said,
0: "I can get this pill into you one way or another." I would be running out the front yeah. fucking door. That is yep. terrifying. When she
1: took these pills, she was immediately unconscious. Oh my-
0: what, do you, what And were they?
1: she, uh, we don't know. They Probably don't. Like, they don't you think know. They're like Xanax or some shit. Uh, it might have been. It might have been like something else. But she would wake up naked and in pain and have no recollection of what happened when she was That's unconscious. That's fucking awful. So he fucking raped her. This guy was a fucking. I'm gonna pig. Call it what it is. That was assault. He's dead
0: now. This guy was a fucking
1: pig. Yeah. Fucking disgusting, dude. Just it gets fucking so much worse. Uh, so, you know, there were times that Brenda recalled that she didn't remember taking these pills, but she would recall being at Mel's house and falling unconscious on the couch and then just waking the up in of his bed and, and having no like... idea how she got there or what had happened the night before. So when she confronted Melvin about these incidents, he would tell her to just relax and not worry about it. You know, it was no big deal. And he was just, you know, trying to help her. Just relax.
0: relax. It's no big deal. What so,
1: if that's not horrific enough, Mel also tried to use a chloroform-soaked rag to help Brenda relax.
0: That sounds so relaxing. There was an incident wow. that
1: Brenda mentioned to her sister-in-law Linda Love, uh, where the two of them were on a vacation together. So they're like in another state, and it's the two of them in a you know in a resort, and she was napping and she woke up and realized that mel was hovering over her holding a rag over her nose and mouth and obviously she was mortified and she was like what the fuck is happening and he was like oh well you looked like you were a little stressed so and i she thought that sleeping. you needed something to help you relax
0: she was sleeping
1: yeah she was sleeping
0: don't like, you My know guy, that I'm when fucking you're asleep. Sleeping, like i'm relaxed relaxed you can be
1: yeah so uh this you know this Obviously, really unnerved Brenda. She wanted to leave that vacation altogether and return home, but somehow Mel convinced her to stay for the rest of the vacation. And, yeah, they just, you know, went went about the rest of
0: their day. That's awful. He was probably like, "No, it's no big deal. Yeah, stop being a big baby about it. Pretty much being a
1: gaslighter." And between the same, like the weird fucking sexual desires and the fucking drugging and the possessiveness, Brenda was just completely broken and embarrassed and terrified and just confused about the whole thing. And she only really confided into her friend Joyce and her sister-in-law Linda, and kind of explained, you know, a little bit of what was going on and. She, you know, Mel at this time also was pressuring her to, you know, plan an engagement party. We need to, like, set a date for our wedding. Like, when are we going to do this? She had actually canceled two different engagement parties. Like, she clearly just put it off. Yeah. Do she did not want to marry him. And she turned to her friends one day and just, you know, was like, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of him, but I,
0: I, I, can't, I can't get away leave. from him. Yeah. I can't leave him. And it's not as easy as it sounds. It's not. Look, Just leave. Just run. It's and like can't just leave and run
1: her sister-in-law linda was like you need to get out of this relationship or we're going to read about you in the newspaper basically and did anyone offer like move in with me i will help you move i mean she no, she sister. wasn't living with him she lived with her mother oh she so still she still lived with her mother and was taking care of her mother but he had access but to, he had access to and, everything
0: yeah. absolutely he would call her at and work. he would, and it's not like she could just up and run if she was taking care of her mother yeah she know didn't want to leave her family like yeah. she She really didn't have anywhere to go. And I'm sure the police at this time were like, oh, just stop enticing him. Yeah. You're the problem. She was actually quoted, you know, saying, I want to leave Mel. It
1: frightens me, but I don't think he will ever let me leave. Which is just fucking heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking that she just felt so trapped. And all of her friends and family just wanted to see her leave Mel and just stand up. So finally, she attempted to confront Mel, and this is after, you know, a couple years of dating and being engaged. And she just wanted to, you know, she was like, look, I don't like, don't like how controlling you are and how aggressive you are. Like, it's really just, you know, it's too much. He actually agreed that he was being a little too hard on her, that, you know, he should kind of ease back a little bit, you know, to make their relationship more, you know, you know, fair. So, he told her that he wasn't going to call her at 10pm on Fridays anymore so that she could go out with her friends once a week if she wanted to.
0: Oh, okay. Just that letter off for one phone call? Yeah. Oh like, my god. I'm Go my fucking like fucking just go
1: fuck yourself Mel. With the fucking briar bush. I don't
0: understand like, why I, men ugh. think that they can have control over like relationships like this. It's like no one is your possession. Yeah.
1: But Brenda did take this as kind of a big win. And the first Friday night that she wasn't, you know, supposed to call Mel, she actually decided to go hang out with an old friend, Mr. Jim Rush. Uh Uh-oh. This is not going to end well. And so her and Jim met up and they just went out to dinner and they talked and they actually had a really great time. And she also confided in Jim that she really, you know, she didn't want to marry Mel and she wanted to end things, but she just didn't know how to end it and that it just wasn't easy. She, you know, that he didn't understand it. Nobody understood that she couldn't just leave. So in the weeks after this dinner, um, Jim, with Jim and the ever-growing support of her family and friends, they, you know, she kind of slowly started to build up the courage to leave Mel. And I also wanted to mention, um, after that dinner, when Jim drove Brenda home, they actually sat in the parking lot or like the driveway and talked for two more hours. So like they were, I think they were like meant to be together and they just, you know, just, you know, didn't happen.
0: And where was Mel at this point? Was he home
1: or was he, he was, he was at his house Okay, as, as far as we know. However, in the weeks, you know, kind of following, on uh, september 21st 1988 brenda you know ended things with mel she insisted she stood her ground and she was like i'm gonna end this she you know was trying to you know go about her day you know go through you know work and stuff for the next couple of days uh between the 21st and the 23rd she told one of her friends that she thought that mel was following her to and from work
0: so fucking scary
1: Uh, Mel requested to see her one last time to get some jewelry back that he had purchased from her and as well as the engagement ring so she agreed to meet up with him in you know a few days to return the jewelry and on the 23rd 1988 Brenda left her home that she shared with her parents this is a Saturday night and she drove to Mel's to drop off some jewelry she left home wearing blue jeans a white knit sweater and a yellow windbreaker and some white sneakers and it was originally planned that Mel would come pick her up first, but then Mel called her and said that there was something wrong with one of the tires on his Corvette and it wasn't driving correctly. So he couldn't drive his own car. She had to come to him, which is an important part to remember later. Brenda was only supposed to be gone for a few short hours. um, And as the evening went on and midnight passed, she didn't return home. Her mother, Essie got a little concerned. So around four o'clock in the morning, she called Melvin to ask if Brenda was still there. Melvin was immediately concerned on the phone and said that Brenda had just dropped some jewelry off. And, you know, they went and had dinner and that he, she had left quite some time ago and asked Essie if she needed to help looking. And Essie, who fucking hated Mel and was fucking quick to think on her feet, knew that their relationship was starting to end. She also knew that Brenda had recently gone to dinner with Jim and things had gone really well. And, you know, they had spent that time talking. And- in the car after so being the boss ass mama she is she made up a quick lie thinking oh maybe she went to jim's house or something after she had seen mel and she went oh actually i just remembered brenda's at her sister-in-law's house just kidding sorry about that sorry to wake you and just left it at that which was enough to keep mel quiet for like you know a little bit not long at all um cause he knew that she wasn't
0: at yeah her she system. he knew, or he she knew was. where
1: she was she was uh, so as the night turned into the very early morning hours, and there was no sign of Brenda, the entire Schaefer family uh, just, you know, and Melvin became very concerned. Uh, it was around about like 4:30 in the morning that the police were eventually called by Mel, and the 911 call went like this: This dude fucking calls, and in like a like faltering, kind of wavering voice, says, "Hi, uh, I don't know if I've got a problem or not." Here, I have a person who's missing or appears to be missing.
0: He has a person. Yep. What is that? Like he has them in yeah, it their it says, home. I have a
1: person who is missing or appears to be missing. That's what he said. Or he knows of somebody who's missing. That's, that's. And so Essie didn't sleep that night at all. Around about 5 in the morning, she called Jim Rush and said that Brenda was missing. Jim got up immediately, got in his car, and started searching for Brenda. Oh.
0: Of course he did. See, that
1: man truly loved her. Truly loved her. Later that morning, word had gotten out to Brenda's, you know, the whole family. And everyone showed up at Essie's house and was just, you know, trying to figure out a way that they could start searching for Brenda. And then, guess who's fucking Corvette rolls up
0: outside? Oh, wait. I thought the tire was fucked up or yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, he must have fixed it. Yeah. He's probably a really good tire Yeah. man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no. I believe it. Fuck you, Mel. So no one in Brenda's
1: family liked Mel from the beginning, and they didn't like how controlling he was. You know, they so they were very, like, what
0: offended when he here? showed up. Yeah. And he even
1: said, he was like, "I probably shouldn't be here, but I just didn't know where else to go and wanted to see if you needed help. And, well, the rest of the family is trying to rally around Essie, who, you know, is very still very ill with lupus and is extremely worried about her daughter, who means everything to her. Mel fucking shows up and just tries to make it all about himself. And he starts sobbing uncontrollably and is just like distraught and crying all over the place, being dramatic as fuck. And all of a sudden, he just like, you know, is just saying, like, I can't believe she's gone. It's just she's gone forever. And the sister-in-laws, Carolyn and Linda, try to be kind and console him. And Linda starts, you know, saying things like, Don't worry. We're going to find her. She's going to be okay. You know, she's just kidnapped or, you know, missing. You know, we're going to get her back. And this motherfucker straight up looks at her family and says, no, I think she's gone. I think she's dead.
0: You know, she's gone and you know, she's dead because you killed her. Says this in front of her
1: fucking brothers. So Linda, who already like knew a lot about the relationship with Mel was like, fuck, no, I've heard enough. I'm going to the police. So she like managed to kind of get Brenda's brother, Tom away, who was her husband and tells him everything that she knows about Mel. So Tom and Linda managed to sneak away from all the chaos in the house and make their way to the St. Matthews police department. And that's where they meet detective Jim Wesley who's the dude who we're going to, you know, be talking about. He's like the big investigator for basically that police department that's on the case was already aware he was already aware of the weird ass 911 call that Melvin had made earlier that day so detectives you know they want to start scheduling interviews with everyone but they particularly wanted to talk to Mel cuz he was the last one to see her so they show up at Mel's house and Mel was actually so prepared to talk to
0: the police oh I bet he had a story ready he actually had
1: prepared written notes to talk about the night's events that had gone on with Brenda.
0: This guy was Which a, was ext- was smart to be so prepared. Extremely that fucking just, concerning to police. That, no, what do you mean? He's just prepared. This does not look strange or fishy at all. Yeah.
1: So he, according to Mel, said that that Saturday night, he had met up for Brenda not to return jewelry. So when he first interviews with the police, he basically gives the police the assumption that they are still in a relationship. Which the police know from Brenda's family that they were that Brenda was trying to end things. But he says that she was not just there to return jewelry. They were actually just going out for a date. So around four PM she picked him up and they went to the Gold Star Chili restaurant and had dinner. Then they went to a did they though? Boat show. So they actually did go to the Gold Star Chili restaurant. That was okay. confirmed by the manager. Um, that's one of the only things that's confirmed in his statement. Okay. I just wait. It gets fucking better. Uh, they go to a boat show around 530 where it rained. So they stayed in the car and just talked. And then they went to an art festival where apparently it also rained. So they just stayed in the car and talked
0: because of the rain.
1: Okay. Because Because of the rain?
0: Because of the rain. But it probably didn't rain that they did it. It did rain.
1: Okay. But, you know, because of the rain, they, you know, just went and parked at this art festival and looked at other people walking around at the art festival. That's weird. And just talked. And and same with the boat show. According to them. Okay. Uh, Then he said that they went to a shopping center and they walked around from about six to nine and bought nothing. I don't believe that. And I mean, none of the every single thing that he just said, literally no one else could corroborate because they weren't around other people. Didn't go to a store and buy anything. They didn't go into the art festival and buy anything. They didn't walk around the boat show. How convenient. Then they drove to another restaurant called Captain's Quarters, which was on a very popular part of the Ohio River, but apparently it was too busy. So they stayed in the car and talked some more.
0: Damn, they got a lot to talk about.
1: Then Mel said that Brenda dropped him off at about 11.30 p.m. to his home that he shared with his mommy. Because, you know, he's a fucking loser. And not that living with your parents is nothing wrong with living with your parents, but Mel just sucks. So we're just, you know, yeah. Which, you know, of course, he shouted to his mommy that he was home. Mom, I am home. It is 11.30 p.m. and I am home. Brenda just dropped me off. Establishing an alibi. Then around midnight, Mel decided that he got a little hungry again. So he went to the Skyline Chili restaurant. Lots of chili. (laughs) What the fuck, dude? Ate spaghetti and chili and made sure that he talked to the waiter and complained about his soft drink with the waiter because he did not like his soft drink at the restaurant where he was eating at midnight because he was there
0: at the restaurant at midnight drinking a soft drink eating spaghetti and fucking chili dude this guy's gonna have to shit his pants (laughs) at fucking 3 a.m i am sorry (laughs) i'm sorry but like a midnight snack to me is not more fucking chili (laughs) also (laughs) why the fuck does kentucky have so many chili restaurants (laughs) how many chili restaurants do you need i'm sorry Chili at midnight, Ugh. and spaghetti <laughs> like, at what combo is that? Like... And a soft drink, so that heartburn, heartburn. <laughs> it was not healthy. Dude needed like a fucking bottle of Tums and a
1: bottle of Pepto to make it through the night. I so, hope you didn't
0: lay flat. So, you
1: ready for this? Yeah, the midnight chili dinner. Is the only thing that could be corroborated in his alibi. The the only thing because he spoke to that waiter.
0: About and the, a soft drink. Yes,
1: about a soft at drink. Midnight, and the, the manager at, at the, the first chili restaurant. So only the chili restaurants were
0: corroborated. <laughs> chili twice in a day with spaghetti and a soft drink. Like I just I just fucking can't. This is man. why America is overweight and <laughs> this is where we're unhealthy. All obese. we have fucking five chili different restaurants. chili restaurants
1: in Kentucky that you can that are open at midnight. <laughs> like why? Oh my god. So obviously investigators after like Mel reads all of this off a goddamn piece of paper, they're like, Mel, you do realize none of this can be corroborated by anyone else. And he goes well yeah i suppose that makes me look like a suspect that's fucking dumb and just well he was very smug about it and that's what detective wesley said he was like that like he later in the book is like that honestly it pissed me off how smug he was about everything um obviously this interview with mel did nothing more than further their suspicions after they had also talked to brenda's family they knew that you know he had something to do with brenda's disappearance so they quickly got to work with finding Brenda's vehicle. By the next morning, so this is, you know, it was late Saturday night that she had kind of disappeared. Sunday morning was when police got involved and they interviewed Mel by Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. By the following Monday, Brenda's car was found abandoned on the highway just a few miles from her home. One of the rear tires was flat, the passenger window was smashed, the stereo had been stolen, and there was traces of blood outside of the vehicle. This would actually kind of throw off investigators at the beginning. Um, What really happened was um, Brenda's car had been abandoned and then later broken into by a complete stranger. Oh, okay. So they weren't like connected. So it wasn't connected at all. There was a nail that was in that back tire, though. So it had been losing air for some time. That air had been put in there probably days before, got stuck Mm -hmm. in there days before. So now police were on the search for, you know, Brenda's just Brenda and they were pretty positive now that there was foul play involved
0: oh yeah absolutely
1: so they decided to get the FBI involved and this is where it gets a little kind of interesting uh the FBI agents were from a uh, office in Virginia it wasn't that far from Louisville and it was a particular department for the behavioral sciences unit of the FBI they were infamously known as the Silence of the Lambs Department because it was basically a bunch of criminal profilers who worked with like you know sexual sadists and crazy serial killers, cases like that. And one of these uh, investigators was actually Roy Hazelwood. He worked on Brenda's case. He was the man who helped put away Robert Ben Rhodes, the truck stop killer, who someone will do an episode about eventually a pretty terrifying, crazy case. So these FBI investigators began digging deeper into Melvin and Brenda's relationship and just particularly Melvin in general. And the more they talked to Brenda's family and her co-workers and the investigators, you know, they were all getting pointed in the direction of Melvin. Something is off about Melvin. Brenda's boss, Dr. William Spaulding, was adamant that, Mel was responsible for Brenda's disappearance and he was concerned that something awful had happened to her. He told investigators that he knew that Brenda had been trying to end things for weeks and he actually mentioned that the Friday before she disappeared, she was at work and Mel called the office and Dr. Spalding watched as Brenda angrily said into the phone, "I told you not to call me any here anymore. Please stop." and hung up the phone on Mel. Things things were not going good when she, you know, was going to see him at all. So Dr. Spaulding offered to help police in any way that he could. He was very, you know, he just wanted to help out. He even said to police that he was willing to, you know, do anything, even write a aggressive letter to Mel trying to force a confession out of him, which police said was, you know, a felony and that he should not do that. And Dr. Spaulding did it anyway. He basically, in the letter, it said that, you know, he would, you know, send people to kill Mel if he did not uh, bring Brenda's body, you know, or disclose where Brenda's body was within a certain amount of time,
0: that I mean, he would be killed. That could, like, um, totally fuck up any investigation if he, like, does that. Though. So,
1: um, obviously, you know, Dr. Spaulding was charged with making a terroristic threat, um, Jesus. which this actually somehow helped the investigation believe it or not okay um and it it helps it in a weird way and it's you know it's gonna be very confusing but it'll come back later but uh basically you know because dr spaulding was being charged with making terrorist threat both he and mel had to go on the stand and you know mel had to express you know how terrified he was when he got this letter and while he was on the stand the um, DA, who was a prosecutor, who was also working on, you know, trying to, you know, helping with the investigation for Brenda, did ask questions about Brenda. And he said, you know, do you know why Brenda disappeared or did you do anything to make Brenda disappear? And under oath, Melvin responded, I never laid a finger on Brenda. Liar! Which will come back liar, bite him in the ass later. So this investigation you know it's it's months into the investigation now they've searched mel's house they've searched his boat they've come up with no traces of brenda at all all they had was the car which they found at this point that that blood didn't belong to either of them and that you know the break in was something completely unrelated to her disappearance so they really just they needed to figure out a way to get mel to leak some kind of information somehow and they knew that he was a pompous asshole who loved talking about himself. So they figured, you know. He's probably talked about it to yeah. somebody close to him. Yeah. So they start talking to, you know, ex-wives, you know, ex-girlfriends, family, and stuff like that. And all they really found out from that was that Mel was, you know, a fucking disgusting human being from the beginning of his life. Um, he actually had an ex-wife that he had had three kids with who said that he was a complete monster. Um, trigger warning this is really upsetting Uh, she actually said that if she didn't do something a way he wanted or upset him in some way he would use anal sex as a form of punishment and would just rape her that is god awful and how the fuck did she get away she thankfully fucking divorced him somehow he got custody of the kids at one point though but then as the kids got older they all left his house this was
0: before he met Brenda I don't want to stay with him
1: yeah So the more they learned about Melvin, they knew that he was a narcissistic sociopath. So they knew that he would be eager to clear his name and keep a good image. So investigators tried to cater to that narcissistic side. And they decided to, you know, offer him the option to clear his name by testifying about Brenda's disappearance before a grand jury. And Mel gladly accepted. However, his story changed a little bit while he was on the stand. He stated that leading the days leading up to Brenda's disappearance, he had been going since, you know, they had been going through a rough patch in their relationship, Mel had actually turned to an old friend for some comfort and some advice. This woman was named Marianne Shore. Now, this was news to investigators, so they wanted to, you know, talk to Marianne as soon as possible. Marianne is a fucking troll. Uh, her and Mel had met years prior when she was working for him as a secretary and, you know, after he'd divorced his wife, uh, they dated, you know, on and off because she was gross and he was gross. <laughs> so when police went to Marion's house to speak with her, they immediately knew she was hiding something. She was not a great liar. She was fidgeting. She was nervous. After her first initial interview went horribly. They actually asked Marion, you know, hey, do you want to come down to the station, take a polygraph? She kept trying to be like, I don't know nothing. I've never met Brenda. I don't know nothing. Um, She agreed to take the polygraph test and fucking failed miserably, miserably. Showed deception on every question they asked regarding Brenda, Mel, and the disappearance. Um, They also found out that she had outstanding warrants for writing three bad checks to Kmart. And I'd like to also add in that these on, three bad checks didn't even equate to $100. Like, wow, a hundred dollars.
0: Wow girl horrible criminal.
1: Yeah. Um so you know they knew that they had a solid lead with Marion, and they figured this lady's gonna be way easier to crack. Like she knows something. So after that polygraph test and the second interview, they tried they knew that she would, you know, panic and probably try to contact Mel. And that would be their way to, you know, kind of get yeah. get her and Mel together and make that connection. So they decided to follow her and as they were sitting on her street like you know later on that day guess who fucking comes walking up the sidewalk chatting in the rain together mel mel and marianne so investigators were like you know what this is it i think we got her so they actually went up to them and arrested marianne for her outstanding warrants um and they as they're, you know, putting her into the car, fucking Mel's like shouting through the rain. Don't tell them anything, Marianne. They got nothing on us. They can't
0: make you talk.
1: She's like, so you're making dude, yourself look like- so
0: guilty right now. Yep. What is wrong with you? Marianne was given a court appointed
1: lawyer named Jack Vititao. And boy, was this poor fucking dude in for a surprise. He gets brought onto Marianne's case under the assumption that he is, you know, Representing this woman who just got arrested for writing some bad Kmart checks. Okay, but he, he doesn't, doesn't know what the police know. He does not know that the FBI and the Jefferson County Sheriff are running a parallel investigation with her Shouldn't they tell
0: him? to Brenda's disappearance. I feel like this guy should be in on it. Just wait. That's just me. So he doesn't find
1: out until, you know, they're in court for Marianne's fucking bad checks. And as they're leaving the courthouse, they're approached by two federal agents who request an interview with her. And poor fucking Jack's like, uh, why does the FBI want to talk to this bitch about some Kmart checks? Mirian finally is like, oh, so like my old boyfriend's girlfriend's kind of been missing for some time and they think I had something to do with it. You know, just going to
0: throw that out. Yeah, there. And basically
1: just kind of, you know, kind of like lightly, you know, dusts over what Oh, I
0: forgot to mention. Yeah. Like, so come on,
1: bitch. He is kind of under the impression that she's innocent and is like, okay. Well, she like, probably let's... doesn't want to
0: get into any more trouble, so she obviously wasn't going to say anything Yeah, so
1: she just, he allows her to, you know, go into the interview and also is, allows Marianne to testify on the stand as well in Mel's trial to clear his name, which was probably one of the biggest mistakes that that fucking lawyer could do because Marianne flounders on the stage. And they actually ask her when, you know, if she had ever met Brenda. She claims, I only met her once. And then later on, you know, in their discussion on the stand, he goes, so what did Brenda look like when you saw her? And this dumb bitch goes, you mean the last time I saw her? Immediately indicating that she had seen her more than once. Sounds like it to me. She got so frazzled. She actually just got up and fled the courtroom and ran out. Her lawyer follows her and is like, dude, what the fuck? And she's like. I can't do what they're asking me to do. They asked me to describe what Brenda looked like when I last saw her. And he's like, if you have, if you did nothing wrong, tell them what she, just describe what she looks like to them. What the fuck? Like, what is happening? And Marianne reluctantly goes back on the stage, describes Brenda as a woman, you know, is about five foot three with brown hair and brown eyes. Doesn't say anything else. Everyone could tell that fucking something was not. She knew something, yeah. Yeah.
0: More so, than she was letting on.
1: So, after that disaster court hearing, Jack Vitatel, her lawyer, is like, dude, you need to tell me everything. You need to tell me everything right fucking now.
0: It's like, I can't help you. That's my job. I yeah. Can't help you like, if he's like, you don't I can't tell tell me me represent you if you don't tell me what's going on. Like, I As can't, that's just going to make him help help you like, get immediate. out of this. Yeah. So,
1: she decides to, you know, she realizes she's fucking screwed and she tells him everything.
0: Like a story
1: or what actually happened? What actually happened? We're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, But Jack realizes that he's fucking screwed. She's fucking screwed. She needs to cooperate with the police right away if she has any chance of, you know, seeing the light of day ever again. So in January of 1990, Marianne Shore and her lawyer, Jack Vitatao, enter the DA's office and request to speak with the detectives working on Brenda's case. Marianne drops this bombshell. She says, suppose I know where Brenda is buried. And
0: that dun, dun, dun. is where we're going to end it. No, the finger. And we'll I know see you bitches on part two. I know what happens because Amanda just like sometimes gets so like excited, excited about a case that she's doing. And she's like, so I'm just going to tell you everything. And I'm like, but then you won't get. Bugged, you? I mean,
1: there's some stuff you don't know.
0: Yeah, no. It, but so where, but
1: we're gonna get fucking into it.
0: Wow. Well, you're gonna have to wait a week for part two. Sorry, it's okay. Um, well, I'm not saying sorry to you. I'm saying sorry to the to our fans. I'm our saying fan it's okay base. for them. Oh, it's okay. He'll find out what happens. You will. Just come back next week. We'll See you in the next one. And if you don't, then I don't. I don't understand why you're here on part one. So, <laughs> sorry, man. I cut you off. Oh my god, I just died stay spooky. Stay scary. And stay safe. And stay extra safe. Bye-bye. Bye.